This is Late Night Council. Ask the pastor about as close to God as you're ever going to get. Uh, All right, so listen, why don't you give me a call when you want to start taking things a little more seriously? It's okay, this is really serious. John Council. Ask the pastor. That sounds better. Yeah, I know John Council. Ask the pastor. Ask the pastor. He may have the answer. Again, he may not. Late Night Council. Ask the pastor. He's got a direct line, folks. You know what? I think I am of the opinion that this is going to be one of the most fun Ask the Pastor shows we have ever had. I think we are going to have a blast tonight. Now, this is the last live late night council we're going to be doing until July 18th. Tomorrow night we play a repeat of this program. And starting Friday, July 1st, Canada Day, for two weeks and a day, we are going to be playing the best shows that we have made since we've been online, now in our seventh week, I believe. And uh, I guarantee if you missed any programs, you need to be tuning in live in this time slot and listening in. Or, if you like the podcast way of doing things, download the podcast. I'm going on a much-needed vacation. And I am delighted that uh, the last live show we do until Monday night, July 18th, is going to be a barn burner tonight. It, we're going to have some fun, Okay. It is open line, open topic, okay? You could talk about whatever you want to talk about tonight, but what I've got lined up and the subject matter and the stuff we're going to deal with tonight is going to be fantastic. I really think so, okay? And if you start calling in and we get some good calls tonight, it could be even better, okay? So here's the phone numbers, 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. That's Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec, 343-700-4390. If you're calling from any of those faraway exotic places that we call out every night, oh, I, you know, like like a gambler, uh, Manitoba. If you're calling from Bad Axe, Michigan. If you're calling from Breadloaf, Vermont. 1-844-562-4766 is the long distance line. That's 1-844-562-4766. I got a bunch of emails. Some of them were over six lines. I've already replied to you. Get it under six lines. It might get on the air. There's one or two that are airworthy, but, you know, yours may be airworthy as well. Uh, You'll never know unless you send it in. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That is the email address. Twitter. You can tweet at us at JWCouncil. JWCouncil. Just go to Twitter.com slash JWCouncil. There we are, right there on Twitter. And if you want to make your opinion heard, that's, that's the route that's available to you as well. So, John, why do you think this is going to be so exciting? Why do you think this show tonight is going to be different from any other? Well, I'll tell you. Um, I've been doing something most nights, well, the last week or so, and over the weekend, last weekend. There's a, and you know that I don't bring up Bible prophecy that often when I'm on Ask the Pastor, because, you know, I've just seen so many people that have gotten dogmatic with that topic and gotten wild-eyed and crazy, and, you know, they can tell you more about uh, uh, the coming of, second coming of Christ than Jesus himself can, okay? Although, there is a school of thought in the whole Bible prophecy uh, subject that has been getting my attention lately. And in the last week, and I had no intention of bringing this on the air when I started 
you know, watching a, a few uh, YouTube videos. In the last couple of weeks, I've been going home, and I've been staying up way too late. Because, I mean, you can imagine, you know, when I've done a talk radio show and done research all day, and I've been yakking back and forth with you and, and uh, you know, trying to straight all, straighten out all the problems of the world and expose all the evil and the deception and everything else. Um, I need to unwind when I get home. So I read light stuff, sports stuff. I, I don't read heavy stuff. I don't do research. I'm trying to, I'm trying to calm my brain down. And what has gotten my attention, and, and, and I've really been enjoying it. I've got to confess it. it it's, it's been very entertaining. Um, there's a school of thought out there in the, in the I would call it the end-time prophecy ghetto of evangelical Christianity. This is the bunch that seems to be obsessed with the second coming. But there's a branch of that evangelical ghetto that has kind of been getting my attention lately. And I find it, you know, rather entertaining. And it's Ask the Pastor Ted. It's open line, open topic. For those of you that are new to the program, you know, you could talk about whatever you talk want to talk about. You can make any comment or opinion known. And uh, you can ask questions. And, and whatever I bring to the program, I'm going to come from a biblical perspective, a faith perspective, a little bit of a deeper perspective than what you get on, on you know, just about any other uh, news show out there. And uh, because this is not religious radio, I've never had my show on religious radio because I'm not really interested in, uh, you know, pastoring and uh, making, you know, uh, Christians uh, fat and lazy in their faith by, you know, telling them more information. Because usually Christians who call themselves Christians, the last thing they need is more information. They need to get off their duff and and do what Christ has called us to do, to be obedient to him and affect, uh, you know, our world in a positive way and in a Christ-like manner. Now, I don't mind, you know, getting Christians off their duff and, 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 and seeing them become, you know, real, honest-to-goodness, biblical Christians. But I'm much more interested in uh, seeing the light of Christ and the light of truth uh, turn on the lights in people's lives, expose darkness, you know, and uh, set people free. And I get the biggest kick out of that, okay? And before I start going into this topic of this, this branch of evangelical uh, uh, prophecy, end-time prophecy... I will I will repeat uh, the words of, of one of the main speakers I've been enjoying on these YouTube videos the last few nights. So the guy's name is Rob Skiba. And he says, you're going to have one of three responses to what you're going to hear tonight. And this, I'm stealing his line, but uh, I'm using it for the sake of Ask the Pastor tonight. You're going to have one of three responses to at least the 45, first, 45, uh, first uh, hour and a half of the program. I should tell you at the outset that uh, uh, um, the biggest setback for religious freedom in Ontario's history was decided today by the uh, Ontario Appeals Court and uh, um, making it impossible, if you are a graduate of Trinity Western University's law school, Trinity Western being one of the most uh, uh, favored and uh, sought after and excellent uh, um, uh, trainings for academics in, in Canada, as measured by, you know, the, the, the yearly McLean's ma- magazine polls. They, they score highest in the top three and top four and top five as the most, one of the most excellent educational institutions in Canada. But if you are a graduate of their law school, you cannot practice law in Ontario. The Ontario Appeals Court ruled today. And uh, this is a set... People don't realize how much of a setback for freedom of expression, freedom of religion, and how Christophobic and anti-Christian 
It is blatant bigotry against Christians uh, that is at the core of this ruling. And a former legal counsel for the uh, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada and the former CEO of the Canadian Bible Society, Don Hutchison, is going to be joining us by phone at 1030. So we'll have wrapped up the uh, uh, crazy and wild world of Bible prophecy and some of the stuff I'm going to talk to you about and have fun with tonight, hopefully with you on air. Uh, that'll have wrapped up by 1030 when we start talking about that serious, serious decision that uh, came down today. Now, back to this, uh, this uh, um, I'll call it a, a ghetto of the evangelical prophecy camp. Um, the speaker, Rob Skiba, said this at the beginning of his presentations. He says, you're going to have one of three reactions, responses, and I think that's, it could be applied to tonight's program. You're going to say, well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't a waste of time. It was good to hear that. That was, you know, whatever. And, you know, you're going to get on with your life. The next response is going to be, counsel, you have drunk the Kool-Aid. You are nuts. You are deviating into cultic, weirdo, crazy doctrine. Some of you are going to think that. And some of you are going to hear it and you're going to think, whoa, man, I got to check that out. I got to check for myself, see if that's true. That's kind of interesting. I want to find out more about that. I would like to think I'm in the last category in my response to it because there's a a group of people in uh, the epistles that Paul writes to, and they're a group of people called the Bereans. And Paul describes them. They're described in the New Testament as noble. And the reason they're noble is because they check out according to the scriptures what Paul is saying. And they're verifying that he's speaking the truth. They're not accepting at face value that, you know, he's saying the truth just because he's Paul. They want to know the confirmation of the scripture. That's a noble thing to do. And if you are a, 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 a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian the way the Bible describes a Christian, and boy, we could get into that as far as there's any confusion as to what the difference is between what the Bible calls a Christian and the secular understanding of a Christian. You know, I, 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 uh, I really hope and pray that you're going to be one of those people that don't take my word for granted. You know, you're going to do your own research. You're going to check into it yourself. I don't know where I stand on this stuff. I'm not backing this stuff. I am not some of the information I'm giving you, some of this uh, uh, interpretation of what the Old Testament says about the end times. The Old Testament, again, says about the end times. Uh, I'm not endorsing it anyway, but I find the discussion fascinating. And I wouldn't mind talking to people that know a little bit about this stuff or people that... uh, 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 um, you know, are new to it. I don't care really. I care, but I, I'm not concerned where the discussion goes. I just, I just think it'd be a real, real fun thing to talk about. So, okay, what is it, John? What are you getting at? I mean, most of you have heard of the whole concept of Bible prophecy before. There's a lot of, you know, uh, a kind of very, very zealous preachers on television that will, you know, uh, could tell you, you know, what the, what everything is supposed to be like before the coming of Christ. And there's all sorts of scriptures that talk about that kind of stuff. And it is a multi-billion dollar industry when it comes to Hollywood, when it comes to publishing, uh, the Left Behind series that was read by uh, Tim LaHaye, and I forget the name of his co-author. I mean, they've made over a billion dollars worldwide. I mean, the appetite for this is just insatiable, okay? So whenever, you know, somebody's got a new slant on something or, you know, some new archaeological evidence comes forward, at, you know, to give us another slant on, you know, what the end of the world is going to be like, it, it usually stirs up quite a bit of excitement. And within this branch of Bible prophecy, there is a, a, a branch of discussion that centers around, well, as crazy as it sounds, centers around genetic engineering and giants and evidence worldwide that there have been giants on this planet by the thousands for centuries. 
And every time evidence is found, like real skeletons and real bones, it's hush-hushed, it's kind of like poo-pooed, and it's, it's uh, uh, kind of swept under the rug because, uh, you know, if, there's, if, there, if, the, if it's true that these giant bones really exist, and, and from the evidence I've seen, I believe they do, it really throws a whole wrench in the whole religion of evolution that teaches, no, we evolved and we're the highest form of evolution. Now, well, that doesn't seem to be what, uh, the, you know, the fossil record and what, you know, archaeological record is stating. Now, the Old Testament is filled. It is absolutely filled with references to giants. And the word it uses and the word that there's a ton of speculation around, there's a lot of wild-eyed, you know, uh, discussion on it, is a word called the Nephilim. The Nephilim are first introduced to the Old Testament in Genesis 6, okay? And they are described as, as a, you know, they're not human, they are, well, you know, the Bible describes it as good as anybody. I may as well just, you know, look it up and, and quote it to you in Genesis 6. And I'm reading from verse 1. When human beings began to increase, this is before the flood, okay? Now, this is relevant. This is relevant to uh, uh, the whole end time prophecy thing because Jesus specifically said that as it was during the times of Noah, so shall it be prior to the coming of the Son of Man. He free refers to himself. And if we know anything about the times of Noah, it was a very, very corrupt, sinful, evil time. So evil that, let me read Genesis 6.1. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of the humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are moral. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim, there's that word there, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old men of renown. Now just about every biblical commentator that's worth his salt and is reliable, and many secular historians, they will tell you that all of the legends of Egyptian gods and Greek gods, you know, that had supernatural powers. In today's vernacular, you would call them superpowers. That's where these legends come from. Those titans, those, you know, those Egyptian and, and, and Greek gods and other culture gods, that's where they come from, right here, where you've got, you've got the sons of God, which is synonymous with demonic entities, having sexual relations with humans, and the offspring are these, these heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe, and this is where the flood takes place, okay? And this, uh, this is not the only place where you hear the Nephilim, uh, the word Nephilim come up. And the speculation, uh, you know, that, that surrounds them, and uh, the evidence of giants, like for instance, the giant Goliath. He was an he was from uh, uh, you know he was considered an Anakite. Anakites were a race of giants, and the Bible says that he was nine and a half feet tall. Do you know? And the Bible talks about the king of Bashan, Og, the king of Bashan, who was at least twelve feet tall, maybe fourteen feet tall. Bible says that he had a bed that was at least, you know, about 18 feet long and about uh, 7 feet wide. And giants were common. The Hebrew word that's used for them, and it's used many, many times in the Old Testament, is Rephahim. That's Hebrew for giant. And the speculation here is that 
there was uh, and and I'm the guys that have done the research like there's at the at the epicenter at the epitome at the top of the whole uh, uh, discussion on this connection between the nephilim and the end times and giants and and uh, genetic engineers a guy by the name of Steve Quayle I don't like Steve Quayle I I've seen him on video and I've heard his stuff he seems to be really really sensational he reminds me of a lot of these you know prophecy teachers that are trying to sell a lot of books and you know trying to wow you with their facts they kind of remind me of like the tabloids that are in the lineup at the grocery stores they almost just too sensational will be taken seriously. But the guy I've been watching the last few nights is a guy by the name of Rob Skiba. And I thought to myself, you know, if I had done all his research and I haven't come to the conclusion, I'm going to share something with you tonight throughout the program, you know, I would handle it the same way this guy's handling it. He's not pushing it. It's not being sensational. He's kind of got that childlike, wow, can you believe this? Look at these archaeological digs here. Look what it says here in the Old Testament about, uh, you know, these giants. Look what it says in some of the books of the Apocrypha that get even more in-depth. Now, uh, uh, you know, the, the early Christian church, the Jewish faith, and certainly Protestant and evangelical faith, we don't accept the apocrypha of the Word of God, but we don't throw them out either. It's possible that they shed light on the Word of God, on the Bible. And there's a lot of fascinating stuff that I've had a, I've had a, a, a ton of fun, you know, uh, uh, hearing about, and I wanted to share with you tonight. So you're going to get some of that tonight. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for us to have a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different, uh, 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 ask the pastor tonight? I mean, it's, you talk about a, a biblical perspective on things. Uh, it's really going to be a biblical perspective, but it's going to be a little bit offbeat. I hope it's going to be interesting. And I know there's people in Ottawa here that are really into this stuff. And, uh, I put out a bit of a heads up on Twitter that we were talking about this, and I'm hoping that people that uh, know this kind of aspect of biblical prophecy and the implications for the human genome and what we're doing as far as bending gender, how relevant all that discussion is to uh, the Bible, it's pretty powerful stuff, and uh, I hope you find it really interesting. It's going to be a good show tonight. Stay with us. Summertime is here, and it's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily, with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies, or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byword Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We make you smile. Who is this man, this garlic king, who makes hummus hum and shawarma swing? This kingdom is really Lebanese. There's only one garlic king, and really Lebanese is his home. Don't be fooled by pretenders to the throne. Really Lebanese reigns as the best shawarma in Ottawa. See why it's good to know the king. I am Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. Who is this man? I'm Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. 2586 St. Joseph Boulevard in Orleans. Garlic, I love it. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays, and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money. 
and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Out of Motion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. Welcome back to Ask the Pastor at Late Night Council. 343-700-4390 is the Capital Region number. 343-700-4390. And 1-844-562-4766 is the long distance line. That's 1-844-562-4766. You can email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. And you can tweet at us at jwcouncil. And I think it's time to bring Thelma on the line, if we can get on here. Thelma, can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are you? Good, Thelma. What's on your mind? Uh, I just want to say that I am so thrilled to hear your voice again. I had been searching for you since uh, you left uh, CFRA along with Mick. And my pain is similar to your pain, believe me. Well, I'm not in pain. I'm doing fine, Thelma. When did you find out that we were here? That time, that time, since February. (laughs) When did you find out we were here? Uh, I, I was searching all the time. I couldn't find anything. A week ago. A week ago. Okay. Just, so how are you yeah. listening to us? Are you listening to us at uh, latenightcouncil.com or are you on tunein.com? Uh, uh, With the tuning. With the tuning. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty easy to connect, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, but uh, it's just uh, the, it was disconnected. Then I asked the, the gentleman who answered the phone. He directed me to another. Uh, well, there you go. Well, we're glad yeah, to have you I, back with us, Thelma. Good to have you here. So, Thelma, this is, the, this is the first time you've called our new, uh, our, our new, uh, uh, you know, uh, launch of the show here. So, I got a surprise for you. Do you remember this here? Hallelujah. We actually have a better choir. It doesn't matter if you called in before from the old show. You're considered a new uh, a caller if you call in while we're online here. Okay. So, okay. did you enjoy that? <laughs> I do. Okay. So, you just wanted to say you're happy to have me back on here. That's all you wanted to say. Yes. Okay, well, yes. that, that'll get, that'll make for a good night tonight. I'm happier because of that. So, you know, if your purpose was to make the, the host feel good, you did very well. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate that. 343-700-4390. Um, I'm not an expert on this whole genetics giants in the Bible, Nephilim, Rephim thing here. I just find the, the conversation fascinating. And I encourage you to look up a guy by the name of Rob Skiba. Ski with a B-A at the end. Rob, S-K-I-B-A. There's a number of them. And, and some of them, like I said, are like really wild-eyed and crazy. And it, it seems like the only reason they're on the air and putting out videos is because they want to make money and, you know, get you to buy their expensive books. And but this Skiba guy seems like legit. And I love the research that he's done. And, and, and I've known ever since, you know, I was in college days that, uh, uh, you know, that verse in, in uh, 
Genesis 6 that talks about the Nephilim and the offspring from them, uh, you know, being, you know, they are the source of all these legends of these superhuman beings from Greek and Egyptian and other, you know, their cultural mythologies. Um, you know, I've been aware of that, but the explicitness of it and the implications, uh, you know, that are rising now that we're learning more about, you know, we're fooling around with genetics and the human genome and there's questions of gender. And it seems that, you know, uh, uh, the most popular movies by far in the entertainment industry now are superhero movies. Movies where, you know, people have superhuman powers. And the concept of, you know, people being able to obtain superhuman powers through genetic manipulation, I mean, that's what the X-Men is all about, okay? Manipulating their genes. These X-Men, they're, they're, they're like, they've, they've got, they're, they're, their genes have been, you know, uh, altered in some way. They've mutated. And that's a very, very popular concept. And the theory goes, according to some of these guys, that uh, they were practicing genetic manipulation all the way back, you know, uh, before the flood. And the mixing of the races and the corrupting of the human race was the evil that uh, uh, led God to finally destroy the entire planet. He regretted making uh, uh, the earth because of that. And uh, it says, and, and, and the Hebrew words that are, that are used, it's not just sin. It says that all of human flesh was corrupt. And Noah and his sons were the only ones that were left blameless. Apparently, this was widespread. and There was interbreeding that went on. And, and uh, um, you know, the same evidence that people like Eric Von Doniken, he's the guy that wrote Chariots of the Gods. And his whole theory was, you know, that we've been visited by ancient, you know, very intelligent uh, alien civilizations. You know, all he did was take a non-God, non-Old Testament secular spin on these advanced races that were far more intelligent than modern historians make them out to be. And I, you know, when you think about the biblical implications of how long it says people lived before the flood, when, these, when this interbreeding and this, you know, the, this heinous evil of the mixing of, of uh, not only you know, human DNA, but extra human DNA and animal DNA, apparently they had perfected it. Uh, think about a scientist that lived to be 800 and 900 years old. You know, and they would live, you would have generations, it would be like every scientist that's lived uh, uh, since, you know, 1200 AD, collaborating with some of our scientists today. Can you imagine Eldon Musk and Bill Gates and Stephen Hawking collaborating with Albert Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci, Isaac Newton, Galileo, Copernicus, and the rest of them? Well, that's what type of brain power was taking place before the flood. And this image of them being, you know, some type of primitive race, you know, I think people have got it all wrong. I think they had technology that we haven't even perfected yet, uh, you know, uh, back then. And the, the evidence is quite glaring for that. Now, uh, a lot of the uh, speculation that's done, and again, this is speculation. It's something that I hope you want to look into. I mean, these guys are using biblical verses all the time and going back to the original Hebrew and the implications of why those words were used, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, uh, 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 for instance, the book of Enoch in uh, the Apocrypha and the book of Jasher, absolutely loaded with, you know, detailed accounts 
of these these gigantic superhuman rulers and superhuman beings and what went on and how displeased God was with the mingling of the two races. And uh, Robert Skiba, you know, describes uh, the Apocrypha and, you know, the Book of Enoch and Jasher as biblically endorsed extra-biblical texts. Now, I don't believe they're on the same par as the Word of God. I don't believe they're the Word of God. But I think they're valuable. I think they're valuable historical, uh, um, um, they, they, they shed valuable historical light on, you know, the actual word of God itself. And uh, the word Nephilim, for instance, that's Hebrew for fallen ones, okay? And it's not just in the, in the book of Genesis. We see when, you know, when Israel goes in to conquer Canaan. You know, they encounter what they describe as giants. And I don't think it's figurative language, and I know for sure that it hasn't lost any in translation. In fact, look at the uh, uh, account in, Je- in uh, Numbers 13. It says, but the people who, who are there, this is the spies that spied out the land before Israel went in and conquered Canaan. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Well, that's the Anakim. They're a race of giants, okay? And uh, uh, the Apocrypha books uh, state their heights is anywhere from anywhere from 9 to 14 and 15 feet tall, okay? Then it gets even more descriptive, okay? It says, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim. There's the word that's referred before the flood. And it explains in, in uh, Numbers thirteen thirty three. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. These are not just Goliath-sized giants here. These are uh, these are these are you know very very large extra human uh, uh, creatures. And uh, uh, Genesis six nine says that Noah and his sons were blameless, blameless. And if you go to the original Hebrew word, the actual word means pure in their physical form, okay? And what we know about genes today, it's it's the same word as, as genetically pure. Verse 11 of the same verse says that all flesh was corrupt in God's sight at that time. And the book of Jasher, which is one of the apocryphal books, if you look at chapter 6, there's an account of these Nephilim mixing their genes with animals, okay? And that's where we get the legends of centaurs, okay, and chimeras, and, and uh, you know, these kind of like half goats and half men and, and uh, you know, with, with, with uh, uh, animal bottoms and human tops. And in the book of Jasher, it describes that the Nephilim and these, these creatures that hated God, they knew that that would, that would uh, arouse God's anger even more. So it speaks of these human-animal hybrids, okay? There's a record of this in the Apocrypha, in the book of Jubilee, 724. It's the same reference again. It's in more, more than one book in the Apocrypha, where you see not only the, uh, the, the existence of giants that are the offspring of, of uh, you know, de- demons having sexual relations with humans, you've actually got these Nephilim that are brilliant, Far more brilliant than any historic, uh, historian has led us to believe, especially secular historians. I mean, you see references to human-animal hybrids in two books in the Book of Apocrypha. And uh, it is also a hint, it is also a hint that this is probably why God 
ordered the entire wiping out of Canaan when Israel went in there to conquer them. Because the people there, and I've had problems with that all my life. Every man, woman, and child, look at what is going on here. That's just wrong. Well, what if those every man, woman, and child, are not even human? What if, there, what if there's been genetic manipulation to the point where there's animal DNA in these beings? God was furious with it. What do you think of all that? I'm having so much fun talking about this. I've gone over my time for, you know, our information interlude that we got to have. We're going to do that right now. You think it over. 343-700-4390. Maybe you think the council finally flipped it, man. He's off his rocker. He's crazy. You know? 343-700-4390. We'll be right back after this. Oh, this is so much better than a news break. And most news breaks, all they have is bad news anyway. Well, you're going to hear some good news. Just stay right where you are. But you get a line while I'm catching my breath. 343-700-4390 in eastern Ontario, western Quebec, or 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-LNC-IS-ON. You can email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. And you can tweet at us at jwcouncil. Don't sweat it. I know you gave me those numbers pretty quick. I'm going to give them up before this break is over. Hey, it's time for me to start telling you what we're doing here on the show July 1st to July 15th. Starting Friday, July 1st, we're going to be playing our best shows for two weeks that we've done in the last six weeks since we started this online adventure here at LateNightCouncil.com. Our next live show after July 1st will be Monday, July the 18th. And don't forget you can download all our shows for podcasts anytime. TuneIn.com seems to be the best and easiest way to hook up with us. LateNightCouncil.com. Stay with us. Monday and Tuesday, it's news. Often some pretty good guests, too. Wednesday, it's Ask the Pastor. Thursday nights, we repeat the Ask the Pastor broadcast from the night before. And then Friday night, well, we fool around on Friday. We give stuff away. We have fun because that's what you're supposed to do on Friday. And if you miss any of the shows, well, that's what podcasts are for. 343 700 That's 343 That is the Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec line, the whole capital region. And one 562 That's long distance. one 562 Of course you can advertise on Late Night Council. In fact, the ad space is quickly getting claimed. Get in now while the rates are still low. Email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com for more details.
Welcome back to the show. Well, I guess all those people that, uh, uh, well, they haven't called in yet. Because I've had a lot of discussions with people that are really into the Bible prophecy thing, okay? And that's a world that I was a part of in the 80s when I was a young pastor. And I did tons of research on it. And and, uh, it it was an area that really fascinated me. And I kind of broke away from it because I came across Acts 1-7. And I've said all along that I think Acts 1-7 is the most necessary and most important Bible prophecy book, Bible prophecy verse in, in, in the Bible. And it's the setting is Jesus is just about to ascend up to heaven. And the disciples, they've been with him for three years. They've seen his compassion. They've seen his healing. They've seen his miracles. But all they can think about is political power, okay? These guys are so normal, okay? They're so flawed. So they ask Jesus, so are you going to set your kingdom up on the earth now? you going to do it now? And he says something that's so powerful and so important. And it really, it, 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 it stopped me obsessing over Bible prophecy. He says to the disciples, and this is the one Bible prophecy group, uh, verse that I think is more ignored than any other verse in the New Testament. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has set aside for my coming. In other words, it's not for you to know. So then, John, why are you speculating on all this Nephilim stuff and all these giants and genetic, genetics and what happened uh, during the, you know, before the flood? And and Jesus saying that, you know, like, uh, as it was during the times of Noah, when all the flesh of the earth was corrupt. And now they're discovering the Hebrew words for corrupt flesh goes a lot deeper than just, you know, uh, sinning. Their flesh had been corrupted somehow. And there's evidence in the Apocrypha, and there's certainly evidence throughout the Old Testament, that there was an intermingling and a a crossbreeding, even with animal DNA, to create these animal hybrids, animal-human hybrids that God finally destroyed the earth. But then these Nephilim, they creep up again. You see them, you see them uh, uh, manifesting themselves again after the flood, and they're in Canaan, and God orders Israel. In fact, he kept them in, four, he kept them in Egypt for 400 years because there's a verse in Leviticus that, say, that says you know, that the level of evil had not reached the point where it was worthy of God's judgment in Cana. So he kept them there a little longer until he needed Israel to judge the nations of Cana. And I've always had a problem with this. And I've even talked about this. If you've listened to Ask the Pastor, there's, you know, there's, the part of Scripture that drives me the craziest is in Joshua, where God orders Joshua, you go in there, you kill every man, woman, and child, and every animal. Don't leave anything breathing. And yet if those nations, and according to these books in the Apocrypha, the book of Anak, the book of Jasher, the book of Jubilee, there is stark evidence that Cana, who was the father of the Jebusites and the, and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Amorites, I mean, Cana was one of these descendants of Nephilim himself, and, and he was a giant, okay? And this entire race wasn't even, wasn't even human. And if that has something to do with it, it makes a little more sense. Oh, it's genocide, but it was, it was God judging judging the planet for you know him uh, for for the for the uh uh the soiling and the uh the the uh, just messing up the the human race and he pronounced judgment on them because of it and the sin was just rampant if you look in uh, the references in Genesis 6 they were bent on evil on everything they did well if they're descendants from demons of course they're going to be that way and in the Apocrypha, it talks about them sacrificing their children to idols. I mean, that went on. That was a common practice of these nations before God drove them out. There was bestiality. There was horrible things going on. 
Well, how does that, why does that relate today? Because Jesus says, as it was in the times of Noah, so shall it be, you know, prior to the coming of the Son of Man. Did you know that one of the most popular, and it's becoming, it's growing, it's becoming a problem now, and, you know, there's a push for legalized brothels, particularly in Germany, okay? Legalized brothels with animals, okay? You can actually, if you go, uh, if you know which websites to go to, you can book yourself a, a, a sex vacation where you spend all your time on a farm and they've got animals that are, you know, that are available for sex because bestiality is becoming, you know, a, a very, very, you know, a, a kind of adventurous sexual exploit that's being sold in Europe right now. And animal rights groups have been into these so-called legalized brothels for animal sex. They want to make sure that the animals are not being abused and hurt in any way. So apparently, there's a, they've sanctioned some of these places because places because they don't feel the animals are necessarily being hurt. That's how bad it's getting. Okay. Now you don't get that in mainstream press because you know that's just a little bit too far out there. But that kind of stuff is going on. I mean, we shudder and we're horrified at the thought of, you know, uh, uh, the, you know the stories that come out of Thailand where uh, a wealthy, uh, uh, a European particularly, European uh, uh, professionals and businessmen will take holidays and, and go to Bangkok, Thailand, uh, Thailand, and there's a whole underground of, of uh, you know, uh, uh, um, brothels that feature nothing but children. With most of them between eight and most of them between eight and twelve years old, you might have remember a, a, a former RCMP officer that was involved in trying to catch these guys that do this in Thailand. But the uh, the underground network and they've got it so well organized and so well hidden that the authorities can barely find them. I had an RCMP former, former RCMP guy that was uh, on the detail of investigating this stuff and uh, uh, catching these guys, and he was so he was so blown away at the evil that he left the RCMP and he's given the rest of his life to rescuing. Uh, you know, these kids caught in, in, uh, in, in child sex rings in Bangkok, Thailand. And he's rescued hundreds of them since he made the jump to, you know, giving his life to protect these kids. Well, I mean, the Bible says that in Romans 1 that, you know, when you turn your back on God, God gives people over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. And bestiality is becoming more and more acceptable all the time. And yet we've got this type of this type of mentality going on prior to the flood and in the wickedness of nations that Israel drove out of Canaan before you know uh, when they settled in the in the Holy Land uh, originally. Now I want to talk to you about this guy that's uh, that's in Deuteronomy, Og of Bashan, and he's just one character. The Old Testament is filled with records of of giants. I'm looking at Deuteronomy three verses. Uh, Verses 9. Well, I'll give you the context. So at this time, we took from these two kings of the Amorites the territory east of Jordan from the Arnon Gorge as far as Mount Hermon. Hermon is called Sirion by the Sidians, and Amorites called Sinir. We took all the towns on the plateaus and all Gilead and all Bashan as far as Selica and Edril, towns of Og's kingdom in Bashan. Og, king of Bashan, was the last of the Rephaites. Rephaite is Hebrew for giant. Okay, he was the last of the giants. There was races of giants during this time of the conquering of of, uh, Canaan when Israel uh, left Egypt to take over Canaan. Og, king of Bashan, was the last of the Rephites. His bed was decorated with iron and was more than nine cubits long. 
Okay, cubit back then, you're talking at least 16 feet, okay? And four cubits wide, which is at least six feet wide. So this guy was, you don't need a 16-foot-long bed if you're six feet or seven feet, okay? And he was the last of the Rephites. Rephites. And the Rephaim and the Nephilim are referred to throughout the Old Testament. And they are presented as factual. So you hear about this in the Old Testament, and you hear Christ's word as it was at times of Noah. I don't know. Kind of makes me think. John, why are you talking about this? Well, you know, I've been, I've been watching these guys that have been doing the research on this. And they go a lot further. I'm just giving you the Old Testament side and the archaeological side and the evidence that, and of course, they, they give you mountains of evidence that there are, you know, uh, giant bones all over the world. And every time they're turned over to the authorities, they disappear and nobody sees them anymore. And yeah, there's a bit of conspiracy theory in there, but I found this stuff absolutely fascinating. And I'm throwing one name out there. Check him out on YouTube. Rob Skiba. S-K-I-B-A. And I I just found this stuff really, really entertaining. And I don't think it does any violence to Scripture. I'm not being dogmatic about it. I'm not saying this is a new type of doctrine. But most people believe the Bible, believe that, you know, Jesus' words are true. And he said he was going to come back. And he did describe in Matthew 22 to 25 what the world was going to be like before he returned. And this is one area where it hasn't, it, there hasn't been much talk about it since, you know, there's been obs- this obsession with superpowers and superhumans and genetic ma- manipulation. I mean, this is all, I mean, Ecclesiastes said it. You talk about a biblical perspective. There's nothing new under the sun. And yet secular, uh, secular historians would try to tell you that, oh, yeah, but they were just primitive people that, back then. I, I don't think they were. Not at all. I think they're a lot smarter than, than we give them credit for. Mary, I see you on hold there. we got to pay some bills, give you some important messages, and then back to the phones. Don Hutchison joining us at 1030 on the decision by the Ontario Appeals Court. That is, oh my goodness, it is the biggest setback for religious freedom in Ontario's history. It was decided today. If you haven't heard about it, you're going to hear about it at 10.30. But we're having some fun talking about this other stuff. Until then, stay with us. Summertime is here. It's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byword Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We make you smile. Who is this man? This garlic king who makes hummus hum and shawarma swing. This kingdom is really Lebanese. There's only one garlic king and really Lebanese is his home. Don't be fooled by pretenders to the throne. Really Lebanese reigns as the best shawarma in Ottawa. See why it's good to know the king. I am Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. Who is this man? I'm Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. 2586 St. Joseph Boulevard in Orleans. Garlic, I love it. We often hear about the supposed dangers of human-induced climate change. 
But what about the disastrous consequences of climate policy? For example, the closing of Ontario's coal stations was the single most important cause of the 318% rise in power rates since 2002. Thousands of industrial wind turbines are being erected across the province, killing birds and bats and ruining the lives of people living nearby. The expanded use of biofuels has led to 6.5% of the world's grain going to fuel instead of food. Only 6% of the $1 billion spent every day on climate finance goes to helping people today. The rest is dedicated to trying to stop climate change that may someday happen. Yet the reports of the non-governmental international panel on climate change show that the science backing the climate scare is highly uncertain. Isn't it time we focused on problems we know to be real? This message is brought to you by climatescienceinternational.org. You know, when the host wants to talk about something, it's not uh, hijacking the show. And, and I've been having fun, you know, listening to these teachers and these archaeologists and these prophecy experts talking about the Nephilim and the giants that were, uh, you know, they're a part of, uh, uh, oh, all, all part of archaeology and ancient cultures, in, uh, particularly in the area of what is now Israel and uh, Egypt and Iraq and Iran. And uh, there's so many, so many references to them. And, of course, evidence of, you know, giant bones around the world and, and uh, uh, the speculation that the, what we're doing with the human genome and how we're uh, manipulating genes is, you know, that was, that's what was going on in uh, the Old Testament, and the Bible, the Bible gives ev- evidence of it in the Old Testament, and particularly books of the Apocrypha as well. So we're having a little bit of fun with speculation and talking about that tonight on Ask the Pastor. It is still, it is still open line, open topic, though. 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. Let's go to Mary in Alexandria. See if we can, she can hear me talking there. Mary, can you hear me? I can hear you very well. How are you? Good, Mary. I'm having fun with us tonight. What's on your mind? Okay, well, it's, uh, it, 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 it ties into what you're saying. Okay, so if we are at the end of times, and maybe we are, maybe there's a while to go, uh, and, you know, like, uh, we, can, we can see, I can see as a human being that I have many flaws, but I try to do my best. Mm-hmm. I try to be a loving person. I try to not to, well, I judge, but I try not to be too judgmental, but you know what I mean. I, do, I try to do my best, mm-hmm. and, and I try to live in God. But how do I know that I'm not going to get swept up in the flood and I won't be on the ark? And you know what I mean? Well, you're not going to get swept up on a flood because God promised to Noah that he'd never destroy the earth by water again. Okay? And if if I'm reading the Bible right, if I'm reading the Bible right, Christ talks about him returning to the earth, okay, and taking his 
his bride, which is the church, people that, you know, are in relationship with him. And, uh, you know, there's a ton of discussion on who is his bride, who is a real Christian, who is going to meet him in the air, and who is going to be left behind. And, uh, you know, that's why we search the scriptures and talk about it. How do I know? Well, I'll tell you how I know. I know what the Bible says is, is necessary to be in a right relationship with God, okay? It says that I have to confess my sins, okay? And if I believe in my heart that Christ, God raised Christ from the dead, and if I accept his death as the, as the payment for my sin, if I apply that to myself in faith and in prayer, and if I invite him into my life as Lord and Savior, you know, that's the basic instructions of what it means to be in relationship with him. Now, either the Bible's true or God's lying. And and I don't believe God's a liar. I don't think there's any falsehood in him whatsoever. I think he's made it pretty clear in his word what is required. And it's not burdensome. It's not heavy. I think it's an acceptance of, you know, his death is paying for our sins and realizing that's for me. Okay. And uh, it's a, it's a, you know, John 3 and 3 describes the experience as being born again. That's where the term comes from, John 3 and 3. So that's pretty encouraging. Yeah, and it's pretty simple, too. And, you know, I think it should be simple because Christ said, unless you become like a little child, you can never see the kingdom of God. And I think what he was driving at was, you know, salvation is so simple that's made available to anybody. And I think that the religious world and, you know, a lot of religious leaders try to complicate it a lot more because they're interested in power and manipulation and, uh, you know, all sorts of things. And I have to remind, like that, and I have to remind people, you know, that the people that, that, that Jesus ticked off the most were the religious, the popular religious experts of his day you know they they even made the statement that they didn't need him because they had moses and the prophets okay and he saved his most barbed words for them and and i think that is the way to salvation when he says i'm the only way i'm the way the truth of the life i think there's been has to be a recognition that he is the only way now that's very politically incorrect but you think i care what barack obama says and what justin trudeau says and all the other prophets of political correctness when i have to stack up their integrity and their authenticity you know with you know those the words of jesus christ oh my goodness they're going to lose that battle every time actually i think that all those people you named are pretty scary well they don't scare me I mean, I, I well, can, you know, I, I can't judge them. The I can't judge them. In they're my opinion, I can't judge them. But in my opinion, they're lost. Whether they're lost because of you know they've given themselves over to evil or just arrogance or, or ignorance, I don't know. In my opinion, they're is lost. But I don't, I don't think, I don't think anybody is beyond salvation if they desire to be saved. And that's why it's a good thing. To, that's why it's a good thing to pray for those in authority over you. I mean, I hold them to account when they screw up and where they're deceptive, when they're manipulative, when they're you know telling lies. You know, Ephesians says to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So I feel I'm on a mission from God to do that. But I think there's a I think there's a good way to do that and a kind way to do that. I don't let it get personal. I pray for their salvation. But uh, the more I pray for them, it seems the more you know they plunge more into what what I would describe as spiritual darkness and deception. I think they've given themselves over to ideologies that, like you say, Mary, I think it, 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 a lot of innocent people are being hurt, and I think they're destroying the world with their ideology. But it, you know, that's it's what Jesus. But, is too strong, you know. But for, but they were. But you know what? They are, in my opinion, again, I think they're fulfillment of what a uh, Bible prophecy. 
you know? Because First uh, Timothy mm. says that in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I mean, Justin Trudeau likes people to believe that he was raised Roman Catholic, okay? And yet this guy supports every mad pursuit of pleasure and everything that his church that he was supposedly brought up in preaches against and teaches against, he's been advancing more than any other leader that we've ever had in this country. And, and the Bible describes guys like that, okay? It, it explicitly it describes what, what, you know, what, what the culture would be like or the way it is right now. He, 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 I don't see, I don't understand how, let's say, you know, like people who are very, very devout Muslims would like this guy since he's going to be running around in, on, a, on a float there at the gay pride parade. Yeah, well, that is a little confusing, isn't I, there's it? There's so many contradictions in the whole, yeah. you know, it doesn't make sense. But, but you know what? If you want to go political, that's how Harper was able to win a lot of the ethnic vote. Because a lot of people from, you know, uh, third world countries and oppressed countries, and particularly Muslims, they liked his conservative stance against, you know, what they would deem as, as sexual perversion or what a Bible-believing Christian would deem as sexual perversion. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the conservatives, Harper this time around couldn't tap into that dissent, you know. The media painted a picture yeah. of him as being a control freak, and even though, you know, every prime minister we've ever had has been a control freak, but... Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't get my light and I don't get my wisdom from politics, from being right wing or left wing. I get it from the Bible. It's a lot wiser than those guys. Good talking to you, Mary. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling Good in. Night. Good having you on. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. That's the long distance line. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's the email address. You've got to keep it under six lines. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. And you can tweet at us at JWCouncil. Don Hutchison is going to be joining us at 1030. Don Hutchison is the former legal counsel of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. He's the former CEO of the Canadian Bible Society. He is a lawyer by trade. And uh, this decision by the Ontario Appeals Court uh, to not recognize the credentials of Trinity Western University's law school. In other words, a graduate that gets a law degree from Trinity Western University cannot practice in Ontario. And the only reason is religious discrimination. Now, they are hiding behind this thing that, you know, that, that they say in their justification is that Trinity Western discriminates against lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and transgenders. And that's not the case at all because they've got those kind of people that are, you know, taking their courses in their schools. They can, you, they can get a law degree like anybody else. But if you're a student at TW, you sign an agreement that you will not engage in any extramarital activity of any kind. And the Ontario Court of Appeals, I, you know, I guess they like their, their lawyers to, you know, be bedding down as many sexual partners as possible. And uh, they don't like anybody that, uh, you know, actually abstains for the sake of uh, uh, wanting to desire moral purity. Oh, we don't want those type of people as lawyers in, in Ontario. We want sexual perverted sleazes, you know. I mean, you could interpret that way, couldn't you? 
Well, anyway, uh, uh, Don Hutchison has been following this case for uh, years now, and uh, I wanted his take and his insight on it. We're looking for a good time with him at 1030. we got to do our information interlude update, you know, real important stuff that's coming up. We've changed it, if you haven't heard it the last little while, and uh, uh, we got to get to that right away. And uh, you listen closely. It's not just filler. There's important stuff coming up concerning concerning what we're going to be doing on the next two weeks on Late Night Council right here. Stay with us. When you pretty story you don't let it go unsaid you tell it to your children as you tuck them into bed and if you know a wonderful secret just tell it to your friends tell them that a lifetime Jesus is like a street that never ends. Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation and let your laughter fill the air. Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation and tell the people everywhere. Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation To every man, every nation Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation And let the people know that Jesus cares Oh, this is so much better than a news break And most news breaks, all they have is bad news anyway Well, you're going to hear some good news Just stay right where you are you get a line while I'm catching my breath. 343-700-4390 in eastern Ontario, western Quebec, or 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-LNC-IS-ON. You can email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. And you can tweet at us at jwcouncil. Don't sweat it. I know you gave me those numbers pretty quick. I'm going to give them up before this break is over. Hey, it's time for me to start telling you what we're doing here on the show July 1st to July 15th. Starting Friday, July 1st, we're going to be playing our best shows for two weeks that we've done in the last six weeks since we started this online adventure here at LateNightCouncil.com. Our next live show after July 1st will be Monday, July the 18th. And don't forget you can download all our shows for podcasts anytime. TuneIn.com seems to be the best and easiest way to hook up with us. LateNightCouncil.com. Stay with us. Monday and Tuesday, it's news. Often some pretty good guests, too. Wednesday, it's Ask the Pastor. Thursday nights, we repeat the Ask the Pastor broadcast from the night before. And then Friday night, well, we fool around on Friday. We give stuff away. We have fun because that's what you're supposed to do on Friday. And if you miss any of the shows, well, that's what podcasts are for. 343 
743-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That is the Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec line, the whole capital region, and 1-844-562-4766. That's long distance, 1-844-562-4766. Of course you can advertise on Late Night Council. In fact, the ad space is quickly getting claimed. Get in now while the rates are still low. Email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com for more details. the pastor version of late night council it's open line open topic all the way to 11 o'clock although i do want to warn you at 10 30 it's not going to be that way anymore because don hutchison's going to be joining us and uh it's online the news it will hit the papers tomorrow i would describe it as the biggest setback for religious freedom in ontario's history was decided today by ontario appeals courts and if you want to talk about that before Don comes on, I mean, we can have the phone lines open when he's with us, but I want to pick his brain and give him as much time as he can, and as I can, and he'll only be with us for a half hour. And uh, they have uh, disallowed graduates of Trinity Western University. And Trinity Western University is one of the finest academic institutions in the country when it comes to academics, when it comes to students who love, uh, you know, going there and uh, uh, the high caliber and high quality education that can be obtained there. Well, uh, the Ontario Appeal of Court has uh, said that they will not recognize any graduates of Trinity Western's law school because uh, students, when they enroll in that school, they uh, sign a paper that says they will not engage in any extramarital activity. Not just homosexual activity, but heterosexual activity and this has got nothing to do with human rights this is a this is a blatant attack on on uh, freedom of uh, religious expression and i believe it is it is direct hatred direct to, directed towards bible believing christians and we're seeing an increase in christophobia across north american culture all the time and it was typified by the archbishop of uh, chicago who i think very accurately predicted about six months before he died of cancer, he said, I'm going to die in a hospital bed. My successor will probably die in prison, and his successor will probably be martyred in the public square. And I don't see any of that spirit abating. I mean, Jesus said, you know, that all men will hate you because of me. And uh, the Bible describes, particularly in the last days, of, you know, uh, people being persecuted and killed for their Christian faith. And I find I'm quoting the scripture a lot more often. It's in 2 Timothy 3, 
verse 1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. <laughs> you know, think of it, you know, while I'm reading the scripture, think of, you know, some footage from, you know, uh, the, a gay pride parade. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. It just, it's describing the last days. I mean, we've been having some fun today. I've been parroting some of the teachings of uh, uh, um, a movement within, I would call it the end-time prophecy ghetto of Christianity. There's a number of teachers that have come forward that have you know, brought forth archaeological evidence of you know, giants amongst us, real giants, not just you know, Goliath-sized giants that are nine and a half feet tall, but giants like Og of Bashan is described in Deuteronomy as being about 12 or 14 feet tall. And, uh, you know, direct and more accurate Hebrew translations of the Nephilim. The Nephilim were fallen angels that had sexual relations with women before the flood. And their offspring is where we get all the legends from Greek and Egyptian mythology from. And in certain books in the Apocrypha, we see these evil beings that were able to manipulate genetically and create animal-human hybrids. And we've seen, you know, pictures of that in ancient Greece and ancient Egypt as well. And we've got talk, we've got Genesis talking about mixing human and, and uh, 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 animal DNA now. And the most popular form of entertainment, at least in the movies right now, are superhero movies. Jesus says, as it was in the times of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man. And in the times of Noah, it says in the ancient Hebrew that all flesh was corrupted. There was so much interbreeding with, you know, with uh, uh, this uh, uh, fallen race, and even with animals, that God said, you know, enough. And then the flood came, and He judged the planet. There's an email from Eric here. John. You should check out Chuck Missler on YouTube on this subject. I have a lot of respect for this man. Have a great vacation. Stay safe. <laughs> yeah, there's a number of them, Eric. Steve Quayle is probably the highest profile. I personally am not a fan of Steve Quayle. I just find it to be just like overly sensational and not as factual. The guy that's really that I'm really impressed with that I've been enjoying when I go home at night on YouTube is, is Rob Skiba, S-K-I-B-A-A. And I've only just scratched the surface with some of this guy's subject matter. You know, he's only, I've only heard his talks on the, the Nephilim and the Rephaim. Rephaim is, is all over the Old Testament. Rephaim is simply Hebrew for giants. There were giants all through the Old Testament. And they lived and they interacted. And, they, and uh, you know, God pronounced judgment on them because apparently if you get into their spirituality and what was their motivation, they were bent on evil on everything that they did. Many of them were involved in cannibalism as well. That was their preferred food. Eating humans. Oh, John, you sounds like you're quoting a story of Jack of the Beanstalk. Hey, where do you think the folklore came from? It's an email from Doug. Do you think the modern Jewish people may be superhuman? No, I don't. Not at all. 
Not at all. Generally speaking, no. Look at what they have accomplished in the last seven years. Despite the persecution that they have had to endure, their military might is huge. They have been able to protect themselves against all odds, surrounded by hostile cultures. They somehow survived the Holocaust and the Six-Day War. They are technologically and medically advanced. They are financially sound. Compare that to the Arabs of other nations or even as compared to Western nations. No, I wouldn't say they're superhuman. I do believe that the blessing of God is uniquely on them, though. And there are promises that, you know, God made to Israel that have yet to be fulfilled. Now, it depends on what your theological position is. I mean, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a school of thought that believes that the, uh, you know, the, the promises that were made to Old Testament Israel because of their rejection of Christ as Messiah, that those promises have been now placed on followers of Jesus Christ. That's a popular school of thought. I wouldn't put myself in that school of thought, but there's, you know, there's different ways to interpret that. I mean, I've had a ton of Jewish friends over the over the over my lifetime, and you know, I've heard more than one of them say, "You want to be God's chosen people? All we've had to put up with, my goodness, it's no cakewalk being God's chosen people." But superhuman? No, I wouldn't say that. But I can't. I mean, your point is well taken, uh, Doug. I mean, uh, what they've accomplished. If you, if anybody knows what Palestine looked like before 1948. I mean, it was like the backside of the moon. And they have turned it into an economic and military powerhouse. And, and, and what you're suggesting can't be understated. When you've got that many people that are surrounding you that want you dead, and you're not only able to survive, you're able to thrive. Now, cynics would say, yeah, that's because there's billions of dollars of American cash that's gone in there. You need more than cash to do that, though, you know? There's got to be resolve. There's got to be know-how, and it's a... If you've ever been there, it's just a, it's just an amazing culture. It really is. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. It's open line, open topic. Cause ask the pastor. You can go any direction you want tonight. Although we've I've been having fun with this whole Nephilim and uh, uh, Rephaim thing. I mean, as 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 deep into the Old Testament as Second Samuel twenty one. Just looking it up now. Now Second Samuel twenty one. You're talking. That's that's. Uh, you know, right around the time of King David, okay? Second Samuel 21, verse 18. In the course of time, there was another battle with the Philistines at Gob. At that time, Sibichal, a Hushathite, killed Saph, one of the descendants of Repha. Repha, again, is that Rephahim, the giants. In another battle with the Philistines at Gob, Alahanan, son of Jair, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. In still another battle which took place in Gath, there was a huge man with six figures on each hand. And that is a distinction of this uh, race of giants, this Rephahim and and the Anakim, and the, the, uh, the descendants of the Nephilim. Okay? Many of them had six digits on each hand and each uh, foot. There was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all. He was also a descendant from Repha, where we get the word Rephahim, Hebrew for giant. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shimei, David's brother, killed him. These four were descendants of Repha in Gath, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. So they were related to Goliath, Gittites, okay? But they aren't the only giants in the, in, in, in the Bible. They're all throughout the Bible. There's a race of them. And God was not pleased with the mingling of these giant races with uh, mankind because apparently these giants, they were descendants of demonic entities, bent on evil, bent on destruction, 
bent on killing humans. Rob Skiba. I should probably, I think I have tweeted out, you know, a few of his videos. Fascinating stuff. I'm not getting dogmatic on you. I know some of you are listening and thinking, Council's drunk the Kool-Aid. He's gone nuts on us. He's gone all conspiracy and crazy on us. I just thought I'd throw out there. Have some fun discussion tonight. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. is the long distance line. That's 1-844-562-4766. Stay with us. Summertime is here. It's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byword Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We make you smile. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays, and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money, and headaches... But fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. Who is this man, this garlic king, who makes hummus hum and shawarma swing? This kingdom is really Lebanese. There's only one garlic king, and really Lebanese is his home. Don't be fooled by pretenders to the throne. Really Lebanese reigns as the best shawarma in Ottawa. See why it's good to know the king. I am Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. Who is this man? I'm Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. 2586 St. Joseph Boulevard in Orleans. Garlic, I love it. said you can judge the quality 
of a society by how well it takes care of its vulnerable. How well it takes care of people that can't pay back to society. Now you can agree or disagree with Gandhi, but if what he is saying is true, then our province of Ontario sucks. They've really got a, you know, they've got a lot to be desired, boy, I'll tell you. John, why are you saying that? Well, I'm looking at an article that was in the Sun today. You might have seen this. Fewer inspections at Ontario nursing homes. Now, for years, we've done stories on my radio show on seniors being assaulted, seniors not being taken care of. Do you remember George Smitherman, the Minister of Health under the under Dalton McGuinty, and all the crude and rude and spiteful things he said about seniors? And how, you know, they couldn't even get their diapers changed, those that suffered from incontinence. And George Smitherman made horrible, disparaging comments about them. Lucky he was voted out of the legislature, and when he ran for mayor, he got trounced. In my opinion, a, a truly despicable character that actually had people vote him into a position where he was Minister of Health. So this um, disregard of the plight of seniors in seniors' homes and the lack of security and the lack of standards. And, you know, there are some seniors' homes that are so bad, they're just, they're almost like horror houses. That's H-O-R-R-O-R houses. And the seniors are almost prisoners there at the lack of, you know, care that's involved. Well, it just got worse, according to this news report. Three years after it vowed to do more to protect nursing home residents, Ontario's Liberal government is quietly pulling the plug on yearly inspections at more than 500 seniors' homes across the province. Not going to have yearly inspections anymore. And yearly inspections wasn't even enough to correct, you know, the problems that were going on. The, the literal, the, cr- the criminal activity that was going on. I mean, it is despicable. Starting next week, 84% of Ontario's 630 long-term care homes will get a full inspection once every three years. And a light inspection the other two years. What's a light inspection? Does that mean when the guy from the government parks the car, walks in, looks around with a clipboard, takes a note or two, and it's gone five minutes? Or maybe goes to reception or goes to the manager, who for all we know, you know, who knows if he's corrupt or he's on the level, and he has an interview with him. So how's things going? They're not pretty good. You feel like you're doing a good job? Good. That's good enough for me. I'm gone. There's your light inspection right there. An advocate for the elderly says the liberal government has taken a step backwards from its 2013 pledge to protect residents of nursing homes. I mean, there were murders taking place. There were assaults, you know, where uh, seniors suffering from dementia get violent and they take it out on fellow, you know, residents. 
and there was an uproar about it. Of course, the liberals said they were going to do something, but you know, how can you tell when? How can you tell when a member of uh, the provincial liberals is lying? Well, their lips move. I'm very concerned about the changes," said Jean Metis of the Toronto-based advocacy center for the elderly. There will be more issues at homes because there will be less eyes on those homes. Oh, they got all the money in the world from windmills. Got all the money in the world, you know, to advance the cause of uh, breaking down the differences in genders. Got all the money in the world to advance, uh, you know, a a sex education curriculum that uh, the families in Ontario have already spoken against once. And they said that they didn't want it. But, you know, you think that the provincial liberals listen to people? Never-ending funding for that. Bike paths, green initiatives. Got all the money in the world for that. But taking care of vulnerable, helpless seniors? Maybe it's a good thing to say on Ask the Pastor. They can go to hell for for all the concern that Queen's Park's given them. And your friends keep voting them in. Bob Shirelli, Madeline Meyer, Yasser Nakvi, John Fraser. It's your government, folks. Guess you like their priorities, don't you? What are you bringing this up on Ask the Pastor, John? You know what? I, I just, I, 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 I don't like defenseless, vulnerable people being taken advantage of. I don't like them being ignored. The way our leaders are talking, the solution to the elderly is to bring in state-sponsored homicide and let the medical profession decide when, you know, to knock off grandma or grandpa. Oh, it's not there yet, but that's what it is in Holland and Belgium right now. And if anybody thinks it's not going to evolve into that, you are a sad, sad student of history and human nature and society. And there's no pushback anywhere. There's no pushback in the Conservative Party. There's no pushback on media. Academia, oh my goodness, academia is even further down the road. As far as this culture of death that seems to be growing all the time. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety is the number in the capital region. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. Now Jesus said, you know, there would be a, like it was a, during the times of Noah. And during the times of Noah, the, all flesh was corrupted. There was there seems to have been inbreeding even with animals, and with demonic entities. Now I could see our culture moving in that direction. I mean, I could see that being a popular thing and people wanting it. I mean, with with the popularity of the whole superhero genre in the movies and the entertainment industry, I mean, who wouldn't want to be, you know, to have eyes like an eagle? Who wouldn't want to have superhuman powers? You know, to lift things like with, you know, with the strength of a a bull. Or be able to run like the Flash, you know? Have some type of animal DNA, maybe from a cheetah, put into your adrenaline system and into your muscle texture you could see how you could see the appeal you could see how people would even be willing to give up a little bit of their humanity 
for the sake of some extra power. Hey, look at pro athletes, you know, for the sake of a buck, for the sake of being able to hit a ball a little bit further, are willing to even shorten their lives and open themselves up to a higher, you know, possibility of cancer for the sake of this type of thing. You can see where that where the appeal would be there. Ecclesiastes, biblical perspective. Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. What has happened will happen again. Solzhenitsyn said that if you ignore history, you're going to, if you, if you uh, uh, dwell on history, you're going to lose an eye. And he said if you ignore history, you're going to lose, bo- lose both eyes. Trouble is we've got a, a, a secular society that is engaged in such incredible historical revisionism and the changing of the meaning of, you know, even the words of, of, of you know, people that were uh, the founders of our nation and the founders of the nation to the south of us and, and uh, uh, the implications. It's even crept into, you know, a, a biblical interpretation of biblical history. You know, the implications of the original Hebrew, particularly when it talks about this topic of, you know, genetic manipulation and the interbreeding of demonic entities and animals. And, and, uh, you know, this is where we get all these legends from, these men of old, these titans that they're called of Greek and Egyptian mythology. That's where they come from right there. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and had sexual relations with them. And their offspring is where these where these uh, uh, tales of old, and it's, in fact, I'll, you know, I, I don't have the scripture memorized, but I, I'll read it again for those, some of you that were, uh, are tuning in a little bit late. Genesis is pretty explicit about it. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. And God looked on this as a great wickedness. And it seems that in the Old Testament, because they appeared after the flood too, apparently when there's enough evil present, when there's enough depravity, it opens the door for demonic entities to take on physical form. The New Testament describes the times of Noah as the earth was corrupt and full of violence. Hmm. Don Hutchison is joining us after our information break. He's the former CEO of the Canadian Bible Society and former legal counsel of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. And I want to find out what he thinks of this ruling that just came down today in Ontario, which I think is the biggest setback for religious freedom in Ontario's history. And you're going to find out why. Right after this break. Stay with us. Oh, this is so much better than a news break. And most news breaks, all they have is bad news anyway. Well, you're going to hear some good news. Just stay right where you are. But you get a line while I'm catching my breath. 343-700-4390 in eastern Ontario, western Quebec, or 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-LNC-IS-ON. You can email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. And you can tweet at us at jwcouncil. Don't sweat it. I know you gave me those numbers pretty quick. I'm going to give them up before this break is over. Hey, 
Hey, it's time for me to start telling you what we're doing here on the show July 1st to July 15th. Starting Friday, July 1st, we're going to be playing our best shows for two weeks that we've done in the last six weeks since we started this online adventure here at LateNightCouncil.com. Our next live show after July 1st will be Monday, July the 18th. And don't forget you can download all our shows for podcast anytime. TuneIn.com seems to be the best and easiest way to hook up with us. LateNightCouncil.com. Stay with us. Monday and Tuesday, it's news. Often some pretty good guests, too. Wednesday, it's Ask the Pastor. Thursday nights, we repeat the Ask the Pastor broadcast from the night before. And then Friday night, well, we fool around on Friday. We give stuff away. We have fun because that's what you're supposed to do on Friday. And if you miss any of the shows, well, that's what podcasts are for. 343 743390. That's 343 That is the Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec line, the whole capital region. And one 562 That's long distance. one 562 Of course you can advertise on Late Night Council. In fact, the ad space is quickly getting claimed. Get in now while the rates are still low. Email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com for more details. Just before we're joined by uh, uh, Don Hutchison, I want to give you a bit of a background on on the story that will be in the papers tomorrow. It's only online right now because it only broke a few hours ago. Ontario's top court has dismissed an appeal from a private Christian university that forbids sexual intimacy outside heterosexual marriage, denying its proposed law school accreditation in the province. The ruling from the Ontario Court of Appeal on Wednesday, that's today, dealt a significant blow to Trinity Western University in a legal battle which pitted freedom of religion against equal rights. At the heart of the dispute was Trinity Western's Community Covenant, or Code of Conduct, which all students are required to agree to. It includes requiring students to abstain from gossip, obscene language, prejudice, harassment, lying, cheating, stealing, pornography, drunkenness, and sexual intimacy. I guess these are all things that you know the Ontario Law Society wants their you know lawyers engaging in. That violates the sacredness of marriages between a man and a woman. The LC, the LSUC's decision not to accredit TWU does not prevent the practice of a religious belief itself. Rather, it denies a public benefit because of the impact of that religious belief on others, members of the LGBTQ community. I would ask, how in the heck does it do that? I, to me, that's, I think that's total bullcrap. Just a little more here before we bring Don on. 
It's saying that the public organization like the Law Society has the freedom to say this is what you may be believe. You may believe. Your freedom of religion is not that important, spokeswoman Amy Robertson said in an interview. Freedom of conscience and religion is one of the most profound privileges of being a Canadian. It gives us the right to believe in God and express that, and it gives us the right not to believe in God and express that. The university also noted that it is not making a statement about the LGBTQ people, but instead was making a statement about biblical marriage. The university has reportedly noted that it does not ban admission to gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender students or faculty, and has said its community offers an environment in which sexual minorities are supported, loved, and respected. It had argued that the Ontario Law Society's decision infringed not only on freedom of religious rights, but also on freedom of expression, freedom of association, and equality rights. Now, following this case for years and uh, being on this program in the past and uh, offering us excellent commentary has been Don Hutchison. He's the former CEO of the Canadian Bible Society, former legal counsel to the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, and uh, a very valued guest when he comes on Ask the Pastor on Late Night Council. How you doing, Don? I'm doing great. How are you doing, John? Now, you have read not only the news reports, you have read the actual legal decision, and you would understand it being being able to decipher the legalese that's involved. Yeah, I I read the decision, and I find it extremely troubling. I have, uh, as you know, been following Trinity Western University's efforts to establish a law school from day one, and am deeply disappointed in the progression from the Law Society of Upper Canada and into the courts in Ontario, it's embarrassing to be a member of that particular law society, which I am. But there's been no pushback from membership at all on this. Well, there has been some pushback. In fact, uh, the the lawyers representing a number of the uh, uh, interveners in the case, people who were arguing on behalf of Trinity Western, but we're not actually Trinity Western themselves, have been members, or are members of the Law Society, and, and they are equally troubled by the decision. The, uh, you know, the, the Law Society was created by an imperial fiat in 1797, and it wasn't until 1957 that, that law schools were approved to start training people then in 2010, the Law Society of Upper Canada, along with every other law society in the country, signed an agreement authorizing the Federation of Law Societies to approve new law schools. And the Federation approved Trinity Western's application in 2013, stating very clearly that there was no public interest reason to exclude graduates of a law school at TWU from practicing law. And that public interest concern is critical as it became the uh, the hinge pin in the decision of the law society and is at the very center of what the court of appeal decided uh, this morning now here's something else that's remarkable about the decision as we consider it the case was only heard three weeks ago it, it is almost until today, unheard of in the modern legal era for a court of appeal to make a decision on such a critical constitutional issue in that short a period of time. Normal estimates on this type of a case would be to wait somewhere between four and eight months for a decision. The, the decision coming within three weeks 
I think is partly motivated by the fact that the Court of Appeal in Nova Scotia and the Court of Appeal in British Columbia heard similar cases within the last 60 days, and their appeal decisions are pending. I, I think the Court of Appeal is attempting to influence those decisions with the one it made today. And the one it made today is a terrible decision. Well, I mean, how did it get that way? I mean, my assumption is that you've got some radical activist judges that are serving on the Ontario Appeals Court. How could anyone assume anything else? Well, uh, the situation originates with the decision of the governing body of the law society. That governing body is called the benchers. And uh, they voted 28 to 21 in, in uh, the year 2014, so two years ago, to not recognize Trinity Western University as an officially accredited law school for purposes of practicing law in Ontario. That decision goes into a process of evaluation to determine not whether it was right or wrong per se, but to determine whether it's reasonable in the circumstance and whether the proper legal tests were put in place by the law society. In 2015, the decision of the divisional court in Ontario, so the decision of the law society is appealed into the courts, and the Ontario court says that uh, there's no ground for judicial review because the decision was reasonable in the circumstances and whether it's right or wrong was not at issue. That decision was the one that was appealed to the Court of Appeal and assessed today. So here are some of the things that came out of the Court of Appeal's decision that I find uh, quite troubling, to say the least. First, the Court of Appeal had no difficulty whatsoever saying that Trinity Western University's freedom of religion and the freedom of religious practice of applicants to a law school at Trinity Western University were infringed by the decision of the Law Society. Second, they recognized that the decision of the Law Society would affect Trinity Western University's ability to attract students, and it would impact Christians who want to study there. Then, they said the Law Society's decision was still reasonable because they gave consideration to those issues. In, in what I find a very bizarre statement uh, that's found at paragraph 119 of the decision, uh, the judge writing on behalf of the court says, my conclusion is a simple one. The part of Trinity Western University's community covenant in issuing this appeal is deeply discriminatory to the LGBTQ community, and it hurts. Wow. I, I, have, no, I have no idea why a judge would say it hurts. Uh, and I can see a judge finding the covenant discriminatory towards the LGBTQ community, although, as you stated in the introduction to this conversation, it's setting standards for a Christian community, uh, and a Christian community on campus. But to say that it hurts is, is totally out of character for the court. Well, you um, have no explanation. I, think, uh, I, I don't think you're thinking deep enough, Don. You do have an explanation. We've got an activist judge here. We have an activist judge that's well, wanting to make a statement here. Um, 
I, I, I won't comment on on the uh, the character of the judge because I'm a member of the law society. Well, I certainly don't and, mind commenting. <laughs> but but what I will point out is that throughout this dispute that's taking place and the, the arguments across the country, the newspaper stories, the the uh, debates that are taking place in various law societies. Here's something very basic and simple that people are absolutely missing, and I think that it is uh, a crying shame that people discriminate against gays and lesbians in this way. They make the base assumption that it's okay to ask heterosexuals to abstain from sexual activity outside of marriage on a university campus, but somehow same-sex individuals will be unable to abstain. That, that says that there's a, a pre-conclusion about the sexual activity of same-sex individuals that's being made by courts and lawyers across the country. Well, the implication is that, and, gay, and that, 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 that gays can't control themselves and heterosexuals can. And that, that assumption is being made by the people who interpret our laws nationwide. That's terrible. That's terrible. Here we have a university campus where a number of uh, students who are gay on campus and graduates who were, were openly, uh, who were open about being gay while they were on campus have said they found a supportive environment. They found an environment where they could discuss uh, the, the issues of life, including their sexuality, where people were interested in them as human beings and where the covenant actually kicks in and says, the most important thing is to love people as Christ commanded us to love all people and their voices are not being heard. Uh, that we have a situation where uh, the, the Trinity Western University has a gender studies institute that was established in 2008 before all of this started happening, but after the 2001 decision in regard to the British Columbia College of Teachers, similarly, wanting to decline graduates of TWU. And the Gender Studies Institute at TWU is the only undergraduate program in education in Canada where you can study the importance of understanding gender issues in educating. The, the, the Institute is so incredibly unique that Allison Jewell, who is the director of the Institute, recently won an award from 3M for the work that she's doing there. And she is the head of a national gender studies committee, an academic committee for the entire nation of Canada. And yet Trinity Western University is being discriminated against on the basis of their position in regard to premarital sex and their position on marriage being the biblical definition of marriage as being between one woman and one man. And that definition, by the way, the Supreme Court of Canada in 2004, in the reference in regard to same-sex marriage, said there would be differences of opinion and that the religious definition and that people of, of faith would be protected 
to believe what they believe based on their sacred text. Well, they lied. About marriage. They lied. I want to talk more about the well, implications. Don Hutchins is with us. We've got to pay some bills, Don. And uh, we're going to be right back after these important messages. Stay with us. This man, this garlic king, who makes hummus hum and shawarma swing. This kingdom is really Lebanese. There's only one garlic king, and really Lebanese is his home. Don't be fooled by pretenders to the throne. Really Lebanese reigns as the best shawarma in Ottawa. See why it's good to know the king. I am Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. Who is this man? I am Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. 2586 St. Joseph Boulevard in Orleans. Garlic, I love it. Summertime is here, and it's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily, with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies, or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byword Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We make you smile. Welcome back. Don Hutchison is with us. He's a lawyer by trade. Been following this case about Trinity Western University's law school. And what I think is blatant bigotry and discrimination against them with this... uh, decision that's come down now don the options i mean uh, our supreme court is even more activist than the uh ontario court of appeal i mean they probably won't even entertain this case will they well i suspect that the appeal to the supreme court of canada will be heard by the court uh, and the reason for that is that there will be three cases coming in short order the decision in Nova Scotia, the decision in British Columbia, and the decision in Ontario. And the court has also ruled in 2001 in another case involving Trinity Western University and the British Columbia College of Teachers that this covenant uh, did not rule out people from being certified as teachers in the teaching profession. That what what the court indicated was the teaching profession regulates people who have completed the necessary educational qualifications and then regulates them after they have done that. So, so what they, changed between now and then? What changed between now and then that the Ontario Court of Appeal would you know, go, this, go this direction? Because the well, press... One, of the, things that, one of the things that did change was uh, the, um, the way decisions that are made by knowledgeable bodies. So the decision of the law society is determined to be a decision made by a knowledgeable body that specializes in this area. One of the things that changed is how those decisions can be appealed and how they're considered when they are appealed. And so the Ontario Court of Appeal said in the decision it released today that that distinguishes the 2001 decision from what's going on today. I think 
the Supreme Court of Canada is going to want to clarify that situation. We can't have every decision appealed within 10 or 15 years and overturned by lower courts. So the Supreme Court of Canada is is going to have to say something on that point. Well, is there the any, other thing that do you have any reason to believe that Supreme Court would would reverse the decision of the appeal court? Well, when I look at the law, recognizing that as a Christian I have my own particular biases, but when I look at the law and I look at the decisions that the Supreme Court has made since 2001 in regard to uh, other institutions, so for example, I mentioned the reference in regard to same-sex marriage earlier, where religious beliefs about marriage were protected by the court and were ultimately protected by Parliament in the Civil Marriage Act that resulted uh, in changing the definition of marriage. Uh, the court has also ruled in regard to uh, Loyola Christian High School that there is a clear institutional right to religious freedom. It's not just an individual right. And in another decision, the court identified in, it's called the Amsalom case, that who decides what religious beliefs are is determined by the individual, or in the case of Loyola, that it would be determined by the institution. So Trinity Western University would determine its own religious beliefs, and people would decide whether or not they want to go to school there. The interest of the law society should properly be whether or not people receive an adequate legal education and can pass the exam to become a member of the law society. However, the law society concluded in this situation that even though the Federation of Law Societies had said there was no public interest reason to exclude graduates of Trinity Western University's law school, the Law Society of Upper Canada concluded that there was a public interest reason to exclude them, and that was that gay students would be excluded from attending the law school. Now, that's a wrong conclusion. One, gay students have attended Trinity Western University in the past. Two, Trinity Western University would be adding up to 60 new uh, positions in a law school for the entire country. So they actually expand opportunity for gay students to attend other law schools or to apply to Trinity Western. And if they're academically qualified, to gain admission. The, the, uh, you know, the reality is that there would probably be a fairly small number of gay students, maybe an activist or two, uh, that would seriously consider going to Trinity Western because the population in Canada, the, the gay population according to Stats Can, is still under 2% of the population. Statistics Canada says 1.7% of our population, population identifies as LGBTQ, uh, and that 0.003% of all marriages are LGBTQ. And, and that essentially means that we're having this great debate uh, about an extremely unlikely situation. Yeah, but if, we, but, but, if, but if we can persecute millions of Christians while we're at it, why not, you know? Well, and 4,000 4, students at Trinity Western University, uh, they run a, a business school, and the graduates are uh, successfully 
practicing the business world. They run a nursing school. Oh, my daughter's a graduate, Don. I'm, I'm well aware of Trinity Western. Listen, I want to bring James on. I wouldn't just bring any caller on. It's as much for your listeners, John, to, yeah. to know that teachers and nurses and other professionals are being trained there. Lawyers are just professionals like any other professional community. There's nothing special about us. I want to bring James on here. He's not just another okay. caller. He's one of my best here, and he usually has good takes. you got about three minutes, James. Okay, I'm going to have to talk really fast. Then. First of all, you know, it occurs to me that a case could be made that this is actually a case of racism against non-heterosexual people because it's a racism of lower expectations, that, that non-heterosexual people would, uh, would be so much more interested in, in uh, a pursuit of pleasure than they would be in their, in their studies that they would, be, they would not apply to this school based on the regulations. So I find that, uh, you know, I mean, the, the arguments that were successful, the successful ones, they're so much less impressive than other arguments that could have been made to the contrary that it leads me to suspect that the actual reason is something I see a little bit more widely across the Western world. And that is the selective application of law in order to create what appears to be. Now, please feel free to laugh at me about this and then get back to me in a few years and still see and see if it still seems as funny. I, I think that we're heading for a post-law world, which is going to be run more closely according to the principles of cultural Marxism. And I think that the way that that's being achieved is by the selective enforcement of law. And I'd like to just give you two really fast, shiny examples of that. If a Christian bakery declines to make a cake for a a homosexual couple, they will have their business destroyed. The corporate shield will be pierced, which usually requires a tremendously fraudulent act before the courts would agree to that. And their own own personal uh, assets will be attached in a judgment such that this couple was destroyed not just in business but in their own personal lives. Now, in the same state, within the same few months, five Muslim bakeries declined to bake a gay couple a cake. And there was zero litigation against them. Uh, Tommy Robinson today, and this is actually uh, two days ago, this is actually quite a stunning one, had his passport taken away and was given an order that he couldn't travel in the UK because while in France at a soccer game, he insulted the Islamic State. And the British government has decided that in his case, that was an insult to all of Islam. And for some reason, that's a crime whereas the government is also at war with the Islamic State and says that the Islamic State is horrific and repugnant and should be defeated and doesn't represent Islam. So we see actual litigation, actual consequences to people based on how they decide to define a particular thing at a given moment. And I think I think that's, that's what we're seeing here, is that there is a movement toward the destruction of a particular order and, 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 the, and, and the building of a different order on a radically different set of principles. But again, using the use selectively, you know, it's freedom of religion when the Muslims want to do it, but it is a grotesque breach of somebody's rights when the Christians do it. And, and I think that uh, that's, that would be my answer to what you said, John, about this being an activist judge. I think this is part of a much wider process. Well, James, I, I look forward to listening to it. Yeah, James, I appreciate, your, I appreciate your call. And, uh, Don, you got about 60 seconds to react, and we're out of time. Well, uh, like many Canadians, I listened to uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and President Obama in the House of Commons this evening. One of the things that President Obama mentioned was uh, the importance of, of tolerance in our contemporary world, but the illustrations that he used uh, did not address 
his own actions or the actions uh, of uh, the court today to uh, not include Christianity in the, in the mix for the claim of tolerance, to identify people of all religions but not uh, Christianity as, as one of the all religions. And I think our society has to get past tolerance. Our society has to return to the place where we live with acceptance of one another and uh, understanding that people's most deeply held beliefs are not something that should be changed by the state or by decisions of the courts and that they influence us for good character, uh, that it is not a negative thing when people are, as you suggested at the beginning, John, uh, not engaging in sexual acts outside of marriage, not engaging in pornography and alcoholism and those kinds of things that are also part of the community government at Trinity Western. Thank you, Don. I went after you on short notice, and you made time for us tonight. I appreciate that. Well, thanks for calling, John. Good having you on. Chances are we're going to have you on again. That's it, kids. We don't have another live show until July 18th, but that's not bad news because the best shows we've done in the last seven weeks you're going to be hearing in the next two weeks while I hop on my Harley and I drive to Wawa tomorrow and then Thunder Bay and then Winnipeg and then Pocatello, Idaho and then Salt Lake City and then Las Vegas and then Los Angeles and then Phoenix and there in Arizona, Amarillo, Texas, Oklahoma City, St. Louis, Detroit and then home and back live July 18th. Have a great two and a half weeks tonight.